Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. It was so cool. I've, I, I was studying Matthew 25, and I stumbled across some things. I thought, man, I've got to share this stuff. This is so, so good. And uh, Matthew 25 is actually made up of three parables or three illustrations, um, each where Jesus is, is saying, hey, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Um, in doing so, I came to realize that in this chapter, Matthew 25, there's three expectations that Jesus has of us. And I want to go through them in detail with you, but here they are. The first expectation Jesus has of you is that you be prepared for him by being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, you really can't prepare yourself for Jesus or for God in your life unless you're being filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you heard that right continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he fills you, he prepares you. The second thing, the second expectation that Jesus has is that once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that you use your spiritual gifts. Everybody has talents, but not everybody has spiritual gifts. And those spiritual gifts, the people that do have those, are as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he fills you, he begins to give you spiritual gifts and you need to be faithful in using those spiritual gifts. The third expectation that I see in Matthew 25 is that once the Holy Spirit is inside of you, he expects you to begin to exhibit or show the fruits of the Holy Spirit by being available to other people's needs. So listen in closely. I, I can't wait for you to hear these wonderful expectations and truths that are found in Matthew 25. We looked at, at Matthew 24 last week, the signs of the end of the age and what you and I need to do about it. <laughs> All right. And now we're going to continue on with Matthew 25 and after today, we're gonna we're gonna get off <laughs> we're gonna get off on a couple of tangents for several weeks, and you'll see why. But there's three spiritual expectations Jesus has of you. Three expectations He has of you, and I want to make sure that you and I both know what those are, and then we're gonna start studying each of those three in depth for the coming weeks maybe a few months, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm excited about it, actually. But we're going to start from the top in Matthew 25. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up. Get, get to where you can follow along. We're going to flash up here on the screen some of the scriptures, but not all of them. So you want to make sure that you're in Matthew 25 reading along as we look at this. Three spiritual expectations Jesus has of you, starting in verse 1 of Matthew 25. At that time, the kingdom of heaven... At that time, what time? Well, he's just back in Matthew 24, speaking of the end of the age. So at the time that we're in right now, looking towards the end of the age, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Let's break this down just really quick. 10 virgins, whenever you speak of virginity, you're speaking of purity. You're speaking of being set apart and prepared for uh, for what God has you as holiness, if you will. Ten virgins, ten, ten people, ten women set apart for the bridegroom. 
Now we, the church, are the bride of Christ, and we're waiting for our bridegroom to come back. So the bridegroom in this, in this parable that Jesus was speaking of, was Jesus. He's a bridegroom. The ten virgins is the church. It's you and me, all right? And um, they had lamps. What do you think the lamp was? Think about that. What, what would the lamp be? Well, I'll tell you, because we don't have a whole lot of time for discussion, the lamp is your life. Your life. That lamp is your life. And what does a lamp do? It shines light. It provides light for those around it. And uh, if we look in, in Matthew 5, 14, Jesus gives this example and, and very explicitly and says in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A, a, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Praise God, our church is like a town built on the hill. It can't be hidden. Neither do people. Duh. <laughs> they don't put light of a lamp and put it under a bowl. That would be silly. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Your life is a lamp, and it was meant to shine, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That lamp that those ten young ladies had, that was their life, and it was meant to shine. You are meant to shine. Even if you've been torn, tattered, messed up, you're still meant to shine. In fact, if you've had a bad life, your life is meant to shine even greater even greater, praise God, through your experiences that you've had. Verse 2 of Matthew 25. Five of these young ladies were foolish, but five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but didn't take any oil for them. They lived their lives without making them shine. They were foolish. You know how foolish it would be if you were to say, I'm going to go take a car trip, but I'm not going to fill my gas, my, my car with gas. Would that be a foolish idea? What if you went to a restaurant and didn't take any money to pay the bill? Wouldn't that be foolish? That's, as, that's how foolish these young ladies were to take a lamp without any oil so that it would actually shine. Here's the deal, though. If you intend to drive your car, you better put gas in it. If you intend to eat at a restaurant, you're going to plan and you're going to put some money in your pocket to pay the bill. Let me tell you what, if you intend to shine for Jesus, you better fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. If you intend to shine, you better be prepared to shine and be full of what it takes in order to shine. All right, so these foolish virgins, if you think about it, they didn't ever intend to shine for Jesus. If they had the motive of, of shining for Jesus, they would have taken oil. But the fact of the matter is what made them actually foolish was their intent, not their, their goofiness of not taking oil. They just didn't intend to shine. If they had, they would have put some oil to the side and fill their lamps with it. So it's, their, it's your motive that makes you foolish. It's not your space. If you're a space, I'm a space case. I, I lost my driver's license yesterday, all right? I go in to vote. I put my driver's license in my pocket after I go to, to do the voting, and then I lost my driver's license, all right? That's not foolish. 
Well, it would have been foolish if I would have gone in to vote and not brought my driver's license. That would have been foolish. All right, just because you forget things and overlook things, that doesn't make you foolish. It's your intent that can make you foolish. The wise ones, on the other hand, in verse 4, they took oil in jars along with their lamps. They were what you call prepared. So what does this oil represent? Well, I've already, I've already let the cat out of the bag. The oil represents the infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life. The, the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm not, I don't care if you're Baptist. I don't care if you're Assemblies of God. I don't care if you're non-denominational. If you believe that you need to be a Christian that shines, you need the Holy Spirit filling you every day, filling you, because then your light will in fact shine. How do I know that the, the oil represents here the Holy Spirit? Well, it's, it's throughout Scripture, but I'll give you a couple just, just as a sampling. The anointing of the Holy Spirit was in fact the picture of oil being poured out on a human being, on an animal. It had, it had medical properties. It had protective properties. But the oil was poured out, and it represents today to us the the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If you look in Luke 4.18, the Spirit Jesus was quoting back from Isaiah about himself or concerning himself, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has anointed me. And look what happens when the Spirit anoints you or fills you. Look what happens. You begin to shine. Look at what Jesus says. To proclaim good news to the poor. That's shining. All right. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. You see, the Holy Spirit fills you. You begin to shine. You can't help but shine because you've intentionally allowed the Holy Spirit to fill you. In Acts 10.38, we get another glimpse of this anointing, the oil of the Holy Spirit coming and filling us and covering us. It says, now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. There it is, the oil, the Holy Spirit in the same sentence, with power. And he went about doing good, there he was shining, doing good, and healing all of those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And let me tell you what, God was in him. And furthermore, he was God. <laughs> but if it's you and me, we need to be filled or anointed with the Holy Spirit so that we can shine our lives, shine with good works as we see in these verses. Well, we come back to Matthew 25 now. We're in verse 5, and it says, The bridegroom, again, Jesus, was a long time in coming. It's been 2,000-plus years waiting for Jesus to come back. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. You know what? It's the natural tendency for the church to get drowsy, complacent, mediocre, and lose sight of what we're supposed to be doing. You know why the church does that? Because we individually do that. We get drowsy. We fall asleep. We get lazy. We don't read our Bibles. We don't come to church. We don't do the things God tells us to do. And we get drowsy. The church just naturally gets drowsy. We need to be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, I hear people say, I was filled with the Holy Spirit at 11 years old. Well, good. When was the last time you were filled with the Holy Spirit? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day of our lives. A continual filling of the Holy Spirit so that we don't run out 
of, of the oil that keeps us burning. But at midnight, back in verse 6, a, a cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Here's Jesus. He's coming back. Come out to meet him. Then all of these 10 young women woke up. They trimmed their lamps. They got their little wick ready. You now have to get that wick pulled out so that it burns. They trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are, are going out. The other five said, no, there, there may not be enough for both of us, uh, for, for you and us. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. You know what? I can't give you the Holy Spirit. You got to go to the source. You got you got to go to every to Jesus every morning. Get down on your knees and you say, "Jesus, give me your Holy Spirit." You go to the source. You get the Spirit for yourself. Let Him fill you every day. Don't think just because you know someone. Hey, I, I, it's it's good for us to pray for each other. By the way, I'm not demeaning this, but you know what? You need to pray for yourself. You need to pray for yourself. You need to get down and say, Jesus, give me your Holy Spirit. Anoint me with the oil of the Spirit. Fill my soul with the Spirit. And that's what these ladies said. I can't give you. I got it from him. You go to him and you go get it for yourself. Get serious with God. But while they were on their way to buy oil, because it was a little late, the bridegroom arrived and the virgins who were ready. Are you ready for Jesus? I, have you received your filling for the day already this morning? Got up on Sunday morning. Don't ever come to church and say, oh, I'm going to get filled there. No, get up before you come to church and get your filling. Come to church already full, all right? And then get filled even more so you start overflowing. Get up before church. Spend some time talking to Jesus, listening to him, prayerfully receiving what he has for you. But as they were on their way, these ones who were prepared went in with the bridegroom to the wedding banquet. The door was shut. Later, the others came and said, Lord, Lord. They said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't want Jesus to tell me he doesn't know me. I don't want that. You know what? I believe you're here today. Because Jesus knows you and you know him. And you need to be confident in that. And don't let these little questions come in. You know Jesus. Jesus knows you. Now get full of the Holy Spirit and get ready for his return. Be prepared. Later the others came. He said, I don't know you. Verse 13, Jesus concludes his parable and says, Therefore, keep watch. Stay awake. Get ready. Be prepared. Don't be lulled to sleep by watching 10 hours of TV per day. Don't be lulled to sleep by over-entertaining yourself. Get connected with the God of the universe and be filled with his Holy Spirit. Keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So expectation number one of the Lord. I said there's three expectations is that you be filled with the Holy Spirit every day of your life. And he wants to do it. He will do it. But you got to open your heart and receive. Make an opportunity. Get prepared. See, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be prepared. In fact, that's the only way to be prepared. Expectation number one. That's why in Ephesians 5, 16, it says, Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. But rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, 
Let's go into expectation number two. We read on in Matthew 25, verse 14. It says, again, he goes into another parable. Here's expectation number one. It'll be like a man going on a journey, and he calls his servants, those that report to him, his direct reports, as you say nowadays in the, in the, in, in the job. He says to his servants, he comes, and he entrusts them with wealth. What? Here's a master. He comes to his servants, and he gives wealth to each one of these let me tell you what when you get filled with the holy spirit god is going to entrust you with wealth he's going to entrust you with wealth well the first thing that comes to mind is money houses cars clothes blah 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 i'm not talking about that kind of wealth i'm talking about something far richer than that kind of wealth i'm talking about spiritual wealth you get filled with the holy spirit god is going to say all right i'm going to start depositing in you what's called gifts spiritual wealth spiritual gifts i'm going to start giving them to you because you're filled with the holy spirit if you don't get filled with the holy spirit you will never experience the spiritual gifts that god has in store for you but you get filled with the holy spirit he's going to start giving you spiritual gifts more than one but let's pause here and just talk about three things just very quickly the spiritual gifts All right, and these things come alive in you when you're full of the Holy Spirit. What are they? Like discernment. You start, some of you have the gift of discernment, knowing when somebody's lying and when somebody's telling the truth. Some of you might have the gift of healing and miraculous powers where you lay your hands on somebody, you pray for them, and they recover right there on the spot or maybe days following. You have the gift of healing, the gift of the, the miraculous. You might have the gift of teaching, and you like to teach, and people's, they, they understand when you teach them something they understand it they get it whereas when someone else teaches eh, I don't even know what he's talking about you have the gift of teaching you might have the gift of faith there's a host of things and that's what's exciting the coming Sundays we're gonna be talking about spiritual gifts about being filled with the Holy Spirit but we're getting ahead of ourselves there's spiritual gifts then there's blessings blessings what are blessings well blessings is God just helps you out with your finances God helps you with your marriage. God blesses you with friends. He gives you maybe financial blessings. He gives you some clothes that you were hoping to get that somehow it just happened and you get this nice pair of clothes, whatever it is. All right, I'll never forget, um, before we had children, I had this little thing in the back of my mind that I didn't want to have kids. I I didn't feel strongly about it. I just saw little kids and I thought, I don't want them. All right. I, I just it wasn't something I aspired to. I knew my wife wanted children and I was open to having them, but I, I didn't really care for them. And one day I was praying before we had Kyle and the Lord showed me. He said this. He said, if I gave you a gift, wouldn't you receive it? And I knew what he was talking about. I knew he was talking about children. Isn't it funny when the Holy Spirit's talking to you, you know what he's talking about? And and just I think it was months later, Tina uh, got pregnant and then four kids later. I am thanking my lucky stars for the children, the gifts, the blessings of God that he gave us. God wants to bless you, all right? Then there's the third thing. There's spiritual gifts, there's blessings, then there's talents. Now, talents are things that you're born with, whether you serve the Lord, whether you don't serve the Lord. The Bible says he makes, uh, he, he makes it to rain on the just and the unjust. Praise God. You get 
talents. Everybody has talents. Some people run fast. Some people have great memories. Some people have strong eyesight. Some people are really geniuses at organizing folks. Who knows what it is, but you have talents. What I'm talking about is when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to get some giftings, some spiritual giftings that you would never have had otherwise. In verse 15, this, this master, he gives one of his servants, and I know we talked about this a couple of Sundays ago, but let's look at it from a little bit of a different angle. He gave one of his servants five bags of gold to another two bags of gold and to another one bag of gold, each based on what the Bible says on his ability. Then the master took off on a journey, all right? What is this word ability? And we talked about this a few weeks ago as well, but I want to remind you that this word ability is not your natural talents and ability this word is referring to your dependence on God to the guy who heavily depended on God and said God I can't do it by myself this is impossible only you can do it God that's the guy that got five bags of gold to the other guy who said God I need you but he only did it half the time the rest of the time he said I can take care of it God I got this one covered I lost my keys I'm not gonna bother with this I'll find my keys for myself I don't need your help God all right, to that guy, he gave two bags of gold. To the other guy who says, ah, God, he didn't even listen to my prayers. I'm going to handle all of this on my own. He gave one bag of gold, all right? So it's, it's really, <clears throat> it's, it's those who have made more room for the Holy Spirit in their lives, they get more giftings in their lives. The person who says, I can't make it without you, he's going to pour his gifting out on you more than you could ever imagine. He's chosen the, the poor things of the world, the things that are not, the things that don't, don't amount. Those are the people that he's chosen, and he's poured out his gifting into your life. Just, just stop saying, I'm no good. I, can't, I'm not, I don't amount to anything. Hey, you are primed and ready for God's giftings in your life. He's going to pour so much spiritual wealth out into your life, you're not going to know what to do with it all. But in verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once, and he put his money to work. And he gained five more bags back. He came back with ten. The guy that had two, he doubled his, uh, his investment as well. You know what? So you say, well, how does this work? I have spiritual giftings. How do I double my spiritual giftings? You know what? It's very simple. You take your gift and you use it to help other people. That's how you double it. You go find out somebody that your gifting matches their need and it's a match made in heaven. That's how you come back to Jesus with double as much. You come back with your giftings and all the fruit of your giftings. And you say, Master, look, I've doubled. I've doubled what you gave me. Use your giftings to help other people. That's why in 2 Timothy 1.16, Paul, who was mentoring Timothy, he, he had so many things to tell Timothy. You need to do it this way. No, don't do that. But one of the mentoring aspects that Paul gave Timothy, he said, fan into flame the gift that God has given you. Fan it into flame. Don't be like that goofy guy that buried his gift in the sand. He said, no, use it or you're going to lose it. That's the truth. If you got a gift, use it, practice it, experiment with it, and use it for the glory of God to bless others. If you have the gift of writing, then write. If you have the gift of music, then sing. Write songs. 
Practice. Do whatever it is. If you have the gift of interceding for people, get down on your knees and intercede for them for hours. If you have the gift of faith, and pray powerfully and move mountains. Whatever gift you have, if you have the gift of wisdom, then go counsel people and share your wisdom with them to improve their lives. If you have the gift of leading, then lead for crying out loud. Don't stand back out in the shadows. Do what God has gifted you to do and called you to do. By the way, giftings and callings go hand in hand. Whatever God has called you to do, he's going to equip you to do. He's going to gift you to do. Verse 19. Back in, in Matthew 25. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and to settle accounts with them. Here's expectation number two. One of these days, God's going to ask you, what would you do with what I gave you? Settle accounts. Let's, let's get the ledger out. I gave you 10 gifts. What did you do with your 10 gifts? He settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags. See, I've gained five more. Here's a spiritual principle. When you use what God has given you, he, it increases. It increases. If you have the gift of generosity and you shell out money every time somebody has a need, God's going to bless you with more money. He, he multiplies what you do somehow miraculously supernatural. That's a spiritual principle. Verse 21, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful. You have gifts. You need to be faithful with those gifts. Use them. Be faithful with them. Don't be unfaithful with them. Use them to God's glory. The master says, come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags did the same thing. Verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid, and I went and hid my bag of gold in the dirt. Can you imagine showing up after you've passed away, you're in the presence of the Lord, and he says, you know, Steve, I gave you these 10 gifts, what, what did you do with them? I'm going to say, God, I was afraid. I was timid. I was shy. I was insecure with myself. And so I took the gifts and I didn't ever use them, God. You know what God's going to say? He's going to say, it's okay. It's, it's all right. Don't worry about it. No, he's going to say, you lazy servant. What was wrong with you? You know what the source of fear is? You know what the source of fear is? It's you comparing yourself to other people. And we need to stop doing that. That's what this man's problem was. He was insecure because he was always comparing himself to the guy with five bags and the guy with two bags. And so he didn't do anything. Stop looking at yourself. Insecurity is a self-focus. And start looking out. The fields are white. The harvest is ready. Go out there. Stop thinking about your past failures. Take your gifts with you. And go do what God has called you to do. You know the Bible says don't compare yourself to other people? Galatians 6.4 says it. Clear as day. Don't compare yourself to others. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. It leads to either pride or insecurity. And then fear is at the end of both of those. Fear is at the end of both of those. 
Take your gift and go use them for Jesus' name, for Jesus' sake, for other people's sake. Get alone by yourself without thinking of anybody else this week, and it's one of a text you'll receive and inventory your gifts, your talents, and your blessings and say, how am I going to start using these to help other people? Verse 26, as I've mentioned, Jesus says, or the master says, you wicked and lazy servant, you wicked and lazy servant. He's not going to say it's okay. <laughs> he said, you should have done something. Guess what? It's halftime right now. We're halfway through our lives, maybe farther along. It's time to, to, to look at, at the game plan again and say, I'm going to start using my gift for the Lord. It's not too late. It's halftime. Re-strategize. Re look at what you have and begin to make a plan to use your gifts to meet people's needs, to help others. Well, we see that uh, the servant takes the one bag of gold from the one guy, gives it to the guy with ten bags of gold, and in verse 29 he says, For whoever has will be given more but whoever and will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. What this verse is saying, those who've been given something that didn't do anything with it, that's just going to be taken away from them. But those who did use what they had, I'm going to pile on even more giftings. And I'll tell you, I'm 51 years old, and I'm still discovering gifts that God has given me that I didn't know about 20 years ago. Those gifts just keep coming and coming and coming, and it's because with God's grace, I'm trying to use what God has given me. If it's for a few, then let it be for a few. If it's for many, let it be for many. But use your giftings for the Lord, and that's his second expectation is to be faithful with what God has given you. Stop looking at what you don't have and start looking at what you do have and use it for the glory of God. That's his, his expectation. Now let's move on to number three in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory with all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people uh, one from the other as shepherds um, separate sheep from the goats. It says he will put the sheep on his right hand, that's your left, but my right, and he will put the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those at his right, on his right, he says, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. You should meditate on that scripture this week when you get a chance. Powerful scripture. But verse 35, for I was hungry. Here's the king sitting on his throne. Glorious throne, greater than you could have ever imagined. He said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. This is the third expectation of God, <laughs> all right? And, it, and it's this. What, think about this. What would drive you to go help somebody else? What is it that drives you to go meet a need? What is it inside of you? Well, the Holy Spirit fills you. He gives you gifts. But he gives you something else too. He gives you the fruits of the Spirit. He gives you the fruits of the Spirit. And those fruits inside of you, they can't help but push out of you to go meet a need for somebody else. 
even to meet a need in your own weakness. God doesn't always use your strengths to help other people. Oftentimes, he uses your very weakness to help other people. And that's because the fruits of the Spirit are inside of you, the righteousness of God, the Spirit of God prompting you, pushing you, even thrusting you to go help somebody that has less than what you have. It's the fruits of the Spirit. And that's the third expectation that Jesus has of you, is that the fruits of the Spirit would come out and show love to other people. That's why in Galatians 5, and 23, I love this verse. By the way, this isn't a comprehensive, all-inclusive list of the fruits of the Spirit. This is a strong sampling of the fruits of the Spirit. You need to read the whole Bible to find all the fruits of the Spirit, but here's a good, solid sampling, cross-section of these fruits of the Spirit. They are love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God wants these things coming out of you. He expects them to come out of you. To go clothe those who don't have clothes. To go feed those who don't have food. To go visit those who are lonely and, and sequestered. Amen. To go do those things. God has called you and I to do that. The righteous will turn to him and say, Lord, when did we ever see you on the throne, hungry? When did we ever see you thirsty? When did we ever see you as a stranger and invite you in or clothed, not having clothed and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whenever you see one of these, the least of these, when you did it for them, you did it for me. And I'll tell you what, I have a family. You can do me good, but if you do one of my kids good or my wife good, you're a friend for life. <laughs> do you know, do you ever feel that? It's like they treated those that I love the way that I love them. You are my friend. <laughs> you know, I, I'll never forget those that do kindness and good deeds to my family. That's how Jesus is as well. When we go out for each other and we help each other and we do something for each other, Jesus is saying, oh, you're my bud, man. You love your brothers and sisters the way that I love them? That's awesome. You, you did it as unto me. You, it's, it's, it's like you did it for me and even stronger. All right? So then in verse 41, he will say to those on his left. Now let's look at the exact opposite. Don't skim over this. You've got to look at this. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Anybody that says there's no hell, oh, God forbid, there's a hell. And we need to teach our kids about hell and about heaven, about Jesus, about evil, about good. All right, there is a hell. For I was hungry. Here's the king on, the, on, the, on his throne. I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. You didn't do anything for me. I was thirsty, and you didn't even bother to give me a drink of water. I was a stranger, and you shut your door in my face. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison. You didn't even look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry, or you thirsty, or a stranger, needing clothes? When did ever this happen? He said, I will reply. He will reply, Whenever you didn't do it for one of the least of these. Whew. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. 
I tell you what, I want the fruits of the Spirit pushing me, shoving me to help those in need, to be there for them, to meet their needs. Can we do, am I Superman? Can I do everything? No, but I can at least help one person. Maybe I can help two people. Don't feel like you got to solve all the world's problems. Every homeless person that's out on the street, you can't help every one of them, but you could help maybe one. Might be able to help two. Focus your energies and help somebody because the fruits of the Spirit, the Spirit of God is in you, pushing you to meet people's needs. They will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. God's righteousness, His Spirit is inside of us, driving us to meet people's needs. And that's the third expectation. His expectation is for you and me to be available to people. Available. Available with my time, available with my money, and available with my emotions. And emotion sometimes is the toughest one. Whenever somebody is emotionally depleted and they're coming to me to build them back up again, and maybe I've had a rough day and I, I don't have a whole lot of emotional depth to help, that's tough. But you know what? The fruits of the Spirit drive us even when we're emotionally depleted to go help somebody who is in need. So that's his expectation is that we have the fruits of the Spirit and make ourselves available to those who are in need. Let's summarize very quickly three spiritual expectations Jesus has for us to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Every day, have your spiritual tank filled up with the Holy Spirit so that you can be prepared. Secondly, that you would be faithful using your gifts For those around you, you are gifted. Don't you think for a second you're not. You're gifted, you're talented, and you are blessed. Use what you have and be faithful with it. And finally, show the fruits of the Spirit and be available. Hey, somebody might call you out of the blue when you're already tired. Be available to that person. Be available and and minister, encourage them. Maybe some people just need you to listen to them. Then just listen. But be available and have the fruits of the Spirit in your life. Jesus, we thank you, God, because you have high expectations of your children. Lord, the reality is God never dumbs down to us. Lord, he calls us to be holy and to move up in our closeness and our understanding of who you are. You're a holy God. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Lord, you come down to our level and love us up to the next level. That's how you operate. But Lord, you've never called us to stay where we're at. We're to be filled with the Holy Spirit, growing in faithfulness in your giftings, O God, showing your love more and more and more and more every day to those around us, to the least of these. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We praise you, O Lord God. Lord, let this word sink down deep into our hearts. Lord God, help us to go out and practice these things this week, starting this afternoon, tomorrow morning. Lord God, a Monday morning game plan for the week of saying, God, every day I want to be filled with your spirit. Lord, today I'm going to be available at least to one person, at least to one person. Lord, today, I'm going to write down the gifts that you've given me, and I'm going to go out and share it with somebody. I may not be able to leave my house, but I have a telephone. Hallelujah. I have the opportunity, Lord Jesus, to reach 
any and everybody around me to encourage them, to bless them, to help them. Lord God, use us powerfully this week, we pray. Anoint us with your spirit, I ask. In your name I pray these things. Amen.